you don't realize how much you pay attention to trees till you get into this field. Uh, I used to walk down the street with my wife and go, wow, look at that tree. And she looked at me like I'm crazy, but it's just such a, it became a habit. But I enjoy what I've done, I'm doing and I continue to do and try to serve the, the citizens of Chicago the best I can. So we have to think about trees as infrastructure. They're green infrastructure whose value naturally, luckily, increases over time. Hi there, welcome to the Cloudcast. I'm Erin Hegarty, and I'll be your host today. This week, we're talking about trees. You probably see them everywhere, in your local park, on parkways in your neighborhood, and maybe even in your own backyard. But have you ever stopped to really think about the variety of trees found in Chicago and how they're spread out across the city? I talked to two people who have definitely thought about those things. Malcolm Whiteside is the deputy commissioner of the city's Department of Forestry and he thinks about trees a lot, almost like it's his job, because it is. If you've listened to a lot of city council committee meetings recently, you may have heard Whiteside advocating for Alderman to approve a new urban forestry advisory board for the city, which they did in June. As the city is having to remove trees faster than it can replace or replant new ones, Whiteside told me the new advisory board will help in part to advocate for more resources for his department. It will also help educate Chicagoans about the importance of trees, and maybe even persuade some who are rather tree-averse to request a tree to be planted near their home. Heading the forestry department isn't just Whiteside's 9 to 5, and you can tell it's something he cares deeply about from the enthusiasm in his voice as he talks about his favorite tree, how he got to where he is now, and the city's work to educate residents about trees. I also talked to Cook County Commissioner Bridget Degnan, who represents District 12. She has a background in environmental engineering and in 2019 started the Cook County Environmental Commission. While you'll also hear her talk about her favorite tree, or trees as she finds it difficult to pick just one, Degnan is a fierce advocate for expanding the Chicago area's tree canopy. Trees have health and even public safety benefits, Degnan explains later in the podcast, and it takes both government and actions of residents to ensure the area is properly covered by trees and not just the pesky buckthorn that makes up nearly 40% of the area's trees, but a variety of different species. Okay, let's get to it. Welcome, Whiteside. It's, it's, it's great to talk to you, and you're the head of the city's uh, Bureau of Forestry. Um, what can you tell me um, about your job, what what your day-to-day entails, and kind of what you oversee um, for the city of Chicago. Sure. So being deputy commissioner of the Bureau of Forestry, I'm responsible for over a half a million trees that are located on the city parkway. That's normally between the sidewalk and the street. We also have properties on city-owned vacant lots, but uh, a lot of people do not also do not know that we also maintain uh, a lot of the city facilities uh, through uh, AIS, which is our uh, fleet department that handles all the buildings. So we do uh, Chicago Police Department facilities, uh, fire department, and libraries, and all those facilities. Also, um, a couple of years, well, about 10 years ago, Chicago Public Schools lost their, I wouldn't say they lost it, but they got rid of their contract for trees. So we uh, took on that task of trying to uh, maintain trees that are on Chicago public school properties too. So it's a lot of responsibilities. Uh, We also uh, 
clear the streetlight cameras, the traffic cameras, uh, all the signages. So those signs, the speed signs could be seen by the public. And uh, as of today, dealing with tree emergencies. But uh, we do uh, pick up tree debris uh, that residents put out uh, from the, their own private yards and uh, trim trees, of course, remove dead trees, storm damaged trees, decayed trees. And most importantly, we plant trees. That's, uh, yeah, that is that is important, especially, you know, obviously when, when trees trees are down from, from storm damage, I don't know if they're, you know, necessarily always uh, completely downed, but as they lose their branches. Um, how long have you been um, working in this capacity and how did you get, I guess, interested in, in trees or, or forestry? So I've been deputy since uh, January 2006. Um, I really did not know the city of Chicago had a forestry division. Uh, I started working for the city as an intern when I was in college and had an interest to, when I graduated, to work full-time with the city. And when I got hired, I was told to go to a forestry department. I didn't even know we had a forest. It was the forestry division at the time. Uh, I was very interested. I learned my worked my way up from a tree trimmer up to a superintendent of forestry to deputy commissioner. And it takes great pride in my my workforce is, um, I think, happy because it's somebody who knows the job, uh, can relate to the job. I've been a certified arborist for over 20-some years. You don't realize how much you pay attention to trees till you get into this field. Uh, I used to walk down the street with my wife and go, wow, look at that tree. And she looked at me like I'm crazy, but it's just such a, it became a habit. But I enjoy what I've done, I'm doing, uh, and I continue to do and try to serve the, the citizens of Chicago the best I can. And what, speaking of, you know, walking down the street and just looking at trees, what does the city's tree stock look like? You know, what, the the number of trees, where the coverage is, and even, you know, just the, the type of trees. You know, I'm looking out my window right now, and I, I think I see at least three different types of trees, but I, I didn't think about that until, you know, I started, I don't know, thinking about this conversation. No, no. So like in the early 80s, um, City of Chicago was based with a lot of um, elm trees, uh, a lot of silver maple trees. When the Dutch elm disease hit in the early 80s, it took a real big hit on our elm trees. Uh, we were tasked with removing those trees. And then, you know, not thinking any other infestation the cheapest trees back then was planting the ash trees. So we turned around and replaced the elm trees with the ash trees. And then obviously what we're dealing with right now is another infestation that affected the ash trees. So learning, learning from that curve, we've become more diversified. Uh, if you go on the city of Chicago website, you'll see over a hundred dif- different species of trees that we plant. So moving forward, on uh, the last, uh, I would say, 10 years, we've uh, made sure that any replacement of trees on blocks, that we diversify those blocks because we don't know in the future if there's going to be any other infestations 
that could devastate one single species. So we would hate to see that devastation um, happen again. Uh, I've seen some blocks that all they had was ash trees on their blocks, and those blocks are decimated right now. So it's really heartening to see it. And um, losing that canopy is um, really a hard, hard thing to see. And why why is the tree canopy important? You know, I can think if it's raining, it's nice to stand under a tree. If it's if it's hot out and the sun's beating down, it's nice to catch some sh- catch some shade underneath a tree. Um, but why is it important? I guess you know for residents and the city as a whole to have that uh, tree canopy. You know, you hit it right on the head. I mean, you know, tree canopy, you know, especially in the summertime, you know, provides uh, coolness. It's a shade. And um, it also brings value to your homes. So you have a beautiful, you know, I have a beautiful cherry choke uh, tree in front of my house. So it's going to add some value to my home. You know, it's mature enough now. So everybody see that, that tree has three different shades of color during the season. So, you know, I can sit out in, you know, in the early spring, see the flowers pop. Then watch the leaves turn uh, uh, red, and then in the fall they turn green. So it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to, to observe, but also in the wintertime, you know it, you know can block the the harsh wind that we have here in Chicago. But the big thing right now is the heat heat index. Um, having that shade, you know, will try to uh, cool the city down, and that's why we're pushing so hard to plant new trees. Um, and I think you've mentioned before that, you know, the city is um, having to remove trees faster than trees can be replanted or replaced. And I'm sure that's, you know, for a various number of reasons. But I don't know. Do you see that changing, being able to keep up with the number of trees that have to be removed or that are, you know, knocked down by by storms? Or, or how does that how does that change? Well, obviously, we know, I mean, the Elmwood Ash Bowl has um, put a big hit on us, but we also have trees that are, you know, that are dying just by natural, you know, decay. And then you have our storm damage, obviously. Uh, the storm that we had last August, I think we got hit with almost, you know, 15,000, 20,000, you know, tree emergencies and trees that were actually, you know, uprooted. And you lose that um, canopy space. So... Um, we do see almost 15 to 20,000 trees a year are lost to those elements, but also I'm only replacing, you know, anywhere from four to 5,000 trees. So you see how it's unbalanced big time. Um, I'm hoping and I'm praying this new advisory board is going to be my answer to everything as far as, you know, helping us, um, get new trees and um, from the outside. So that, that's what I'm looking forward to. So hopefully, you know, in next between now and the next five years, we'll see it balance out. And has work um, begun with the Urban Forestry Advisory Board yet, or are things kind of starting, you know, starting to get organized? Or when will, I don't know, decisions uh, start to be made with that, with that board? Um, right now, I just know it passed uh, City Council last month. Uh, I haven't had any conversations uh, since it's passed. Uh, I hope to hear something in in the near future, uh, and then we'll find out. And I'd be glad to talk to you about it once once we launch. Um, 
And you spoke a little bit about, uh, you know, temperatures rising. Are there areas of the city that have less tree coverage um, than other areas? I know, you know, sometimes I'm I'm on the lakefront and I'm thinking like, man, I'm running in the sun. Where's the tree? Um, or it, yeah, is is the the city's tree coverage? Is it you know spread out equally across the city? So we've we've had a couple of studies done. Um, my, my staff uh, does in-house studies, and uh, I think the Morton Arboretum has done studies uh, to show where particular heat indexes and lack lack of canopy is located. There is a big significance around Midway Airport area, uh, south and west uh, sides of Chicago, uh, lacking um, canopy coverage. The north side is pretty heavy. Uh, the south. Southside Beverly area is pretty heavy, but there are some neighborhoods that we could really use a tremendous amount of uh, new cover canopy. And people understand, you know, we could plant a tree today, but it takes 30 years for that tree to really mature to where it's really uh, become significant. Because, you know, like, like you said, 20, 30 years ago, we are uh, the city of Chicago, we had our own nursery. So at that time, we were planting trees. And we were planting them at will, wherever there was space, we would put a tree in the ground. So when I first came in, that was that was our norm. Uh, in the early '90s, we got we lost our uh, tree farm to the expansion of O'Hare Airport. So once that happened, we uh, went to contractors and vendors to plant trees. That's when it became an expense, and it became we had to change our process on. Uh, how to get trees put in the ground because we started putting trees in the ground and if people didn't want them, they would vandalize them. And once they're vandalized, they have no value to the tree. We just lost that money. So what we uh, changed the process now is somebody calls, obviously 311 is the key to uh, get a new tree put in. And then there's a process. Once you make that phone call, uh, we go out and inspect the site to make sure uh, the site is suitable uh, based on our, our landscape guidelines. And then once we've done that, we uh, ask for the homeowner to confirm that they requested the tree because we want somebody who's going to take the value and nurture that tree and take care of it, you know, at least for the first two years. So we got to show some love for the tree. And then once they confirm it, then we uh, add them to the scheduled list. Interesting. I didn't know that the city had its own nursery. So it was out by... O'Hare then? Yeah, O'Hare. We had, ooh, it was a lot, a lot of acres. Um, we plant ooh, wow, anywhere from almost 10,000 trees a year. So it, w- it was a big uh, tree farm that we had. So you can imagine where the new O'Hare expansion is. That was all our tree farm. And yeah, I can see how that would really kind of ramp up the cost of, of the tree program then. <laughs> um And you mentioned if people don't want trees, you know, they, they might vandalize them. Why... Why would anyone be opposed to having a a new tree planted or a a mature tree um, in their yard or, I guess, close to their home? You know, I I think it's just a misconception of what, you know, you might, I want to say you're traumatized, but somebody might have went through a, you know, a bad storm, 90 mile an hour winds, you know, any tree might have fallen during those storms and it might have fell on their home, whatever the situation is. 
a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are traumatized or they, they've gone through some situation where they want to say the tree was at fault. And now that they, they got their tree removed or whatever the situation was, they're fearful to have a new tree put in. Uh, my thing is, and what I talk about the advisory board is going to be an educational piece. I think the residents, not only just the residents, but city council members and other agencies just need to be educated on the fact that, you know, what trees not only benefit, but the misconception that, you know, the trees cause this problem, cause that problem. And trees that were planted, you know, 40, 50 years ago were probably not planted in the, the right mindset. Uh, you have some areas where you might have a, a silver maple, which has a, a, a 40 inch diameter on a three foot parkway. Well, now that parkway, the whole curb is blown out. So that tree should never been planted there. So with my staff, you know, we, we, take it each tree and location and determine what the best species that not only will survive, but is suitable for that parkway. So it's a lot of education going involved with uh, moving forward into the future. Um, and another interesting thing that I think I heard you mention during a um, committee, city council committee meeting is how long it takes someone to be trained to become a tree trimmer how wh- how long is that training process and why is it i don't know you know you think you just you go up there and and you cut some branches but why is it such an intricate process everybody thinks you just go cut a branch you know what it, it's it's all about safety and that is the most key uh, element of our training is safety it's a very dangerous job uh if you look at my disability list you will see a lot of people that gotten hurt, you know, for various reasons, um, gotten cut or, you know, slip, anything can happen. So we, we harp on training as far as safety. It's also a three-year apprenticeship program. So we will make sure our staff is very keen on, you know, not only safety, but there's different various knots and ropes that they need to learn uh, how to. And also you got to understand, we're working in a very tight urban environment. Um, a lot of a lot of tree companies work in rural areas. There was a lot of open space. We work in very tight, uh, sometimes over cars, over houses. Uh, so it's really, really, I won't say a skilled uh, title, but it, it takes a lot of skill to do work in that tight environment. Uh, swinging a branch and not touching the car, not touching the house and bring it down softly in one little spot. Looking ahead, or I guess, you know, skipping all of August, which we're not even in August yet, um, will you will you be asking for more additional funding from the city's budget, or are there grants that you're working with right now, or, or what's the outlook for 2022? So we, we, we actually have a grant right now that we are, uh, I'm sorry, I can't think of the name of it, but it's a matching grant that we did uh, and we're always looking for grants as long as we can match them. Um, we, like I said, we work real close with the Morton Arboretum, uh, some other outside agencies, anything that can help us, you know, increase our funding, uh, increase our awareness, uh, bring attention to our lack of funding, lack of our resources. Um, yes, I will be asking um, 
my commissioner and anybody else who will listen uh, or the resources I need to, to be successful. Um, a lot of people, you know, when you have uh, people that retire or whatever, or whatever it is they leave, you know, you, you got to fill that void. And that's, that's not just me. That's, that's in all of our departments. But um, when you have, like right today, dealing with emergencies, when you don't have the personnel out there, it just takes a longer time to complete it. And a lot of residents become restless and, you know, impatient. All of them become impatient. So it's, it's really taxing, but um, we do the best we can. My last question is, uh, do you have a favorite tree or type of tree? And if so, why? Or can you can, can you describe it? So that's why I picked the Canadian cherry choke. Um, it, like I said, it's, it's such a beautiful tree. Uh, has three different shades. Uh, it, fl- it has white flowers in the spring when it first blooms. Then it turns uh, like a purplish reddish color uh, during the summer. And then it, in the fall, it turns green. And it's been the perfect tree for me. Uh, when I first bought my house, I was like, I'm not getting a tree, you know, but, but I knew what, you know, I had to set an example and, uh, I, I had a tree ordered and planted and, uh, like I said, just maintaining it. But like I said, there's, there's over a hundred different variety of trees. Um, I know when flower and pears first came out, that was the most highly demanded tree. Flower and pear had the most beautiful flowers in the springtime, but then it was just a regular tree in the summertime to just turn green. So if you love it in the spring, when you know, it was really, really high demand uh, tree, and I think I'm not sure a lot of nurseries don't carry them so anymore because they were such a high demand. But that's my favorite, the Canadian cherry choke. We have uh, Bridget Dugnan. You are a um County Board Commissioner for the for District 12 and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit first just about your background. I, I see that you have a degree in environmental engineering, is that correct? I do, yes. And I'm just kind of wondering if that or how that um, you know impacts the work that you do as a um, county commissioner and you know what what your background is. So my undergraduate degree is environmental engineering, and I started on that path when I was 18. And a lot of the classes that I took the first few years were basic engineering classes like fluid mechanics, hydromechanics, a lot of math, a lot of chemistry. And then towards my junior and senior years in undergrad, I took a lot of environmental-related classes like geology and air pollution, water pollution, land pollution. Um, a lot of the background had to do with why the laws were created at the federal level the way they were. Um, and graduating with that degree, I think when I was 21, really shaped my desire to move forward both personally and professionally with an eye on environmental sustainability and environmental protection. And then I went to the United States Peace Corps. Um, a few months after I graduated, and there I did national or natural resource development. And so a lot of that had to do with stabilizing soil in dunes um, near the Sahara and West Africa, uh, nitrogenation of the soil, using trees and deciduous trees 
um, in order to support just the sustainable crops. Um, and just, you know, all around a lot of environmental work there. Then I got back and I was an environmental engineer for four years. Um, and, you know, day to day, you're doing removal of underground storage tanks that were leaking and rebuilding brownfields and doing brownfield development. And so all, my whole life was doing environmental work. Then I went to law school. And after law school, I worked for Elisa Madigan, who was the Illinois Attorney General at the time in her environmental bureau. And I was filing civil claims um, with the state of Illinois being the plaintiff against a number of civil defendants who were polluters. So, you know, between the ages, I'd say, of 18 and 35 or 33, I did almost exclusively work on environmental matters. Um, so a lot of my experience has been shaped about protecting the environment, and it's kind of worked its way into my daily ethos. You know, I've done a decent amount of reporting on the fact that, um, you know, Chicago specifically is having to remove um, trees in the city faster than they can be replaced or or replanted. Um, how how do you think that ties into you know the environment as a whole? You know, neighborhood by neighborhood. Uh, as you know, how does it affect the city and and more widely uh, Cook County? Because Cook County is not just Chicago; it's you know the suburbs that that surround it as well. And I'm sure you know what the city does also has an impact on um, surrounding communities as well. Yeah, you're, you are 100% right. The trees in the Chicago area don't just look at these arbitrary lines that we draw on maps between what's the city and what's the suburbs and different municipalities. And they, that all of those trees in the, our whole region provide these crucial benefits to our whole regional and further than that, our whole national and global ecosystems, they affect human health and the quality of all of our lives. I mean, there's 9 million residents in 284, I think, municipalities uh, in this Chicago region. And so we all love trees. We all think that they're important. But I think what we don't see is all of these impending threats that our trees have to face off, like invasive pests. There's a lot of competing species, climate change and droughts and floods affect the root systems. And I think most significantly, our urban development with the amount of trees that we remove and then our, the reality that we have limited resources to replace dead or trees that were removed through that urban development. So I think part of it includes that we need to have a healthy tree canopy. And so we have to think about planting the best types of trees for our region. I think of it like a balanced diet. So there's buckthorn, it's the most common species in our region. I think they make up between 30 to 40% of the trees, but buckthorn poses a lot of really serious issues. I mean, it steals soil nutrients from other trees, preventing them from fully growing. To maturity. They cause erosion because it crowds out the native ground cover and it presents very little in the way of food or habitat for our wildlife. So those smaller trees kind of reduce the benefit of having a larger tree canopy in our forest preserves and our parks. So I think we need to remove that buckthorn and replace it with a diversified amount of tree species. 
because as you know, the ashtrays decreased, I think 45% um, over the past decade. And there's millions of them. I think four to 5 million of them are dying right now from that emerald ash borer insect. And so one of the ways to increase that tree canopy is to increase diversity of species um, and, you know, look at allowing different organizations and not for profits, um, look at a way for them to have an easier path to plant, an easier path for individuals to plant, um, you know, and that's going to require, I think, changing some of the city and local ordinances. But I think it's really important to make sure that we have more trees to battle climate change and reduce global warming um, through the presence of additional community trees. Yeah, and I guess I, that kind of brings two questions to mind. First, I guess, whose who's responsibility is it to ensure that this, you know, the area um, is operating under uh, an adequate tree canopy? Is it um, is it the city and the county? Is it individual residents, you know, requesting that a tree be planted on their parkway and, I don't know, planting in their own yard too? Or is it a combination of, of all of that to, to ensure that, you know, the city isn't treeless in, in certain areas? Well, I think it is. It's everybody's role and everybody has a hand in it. And I think to start at the biggest um, you know, the biggest, uh, I guess the largest area is government, right? We want to make sure that government's not putting hurdles in the way for people who really want to plant trees. Um, we want to make sure that if there's a permit that's required, that we're not making it a, a permit fee that's so large that people can't afford it. And we shouldn't be putting so many regulatory hurdles in place so that people are deterred from planting trees. Um, I think it's government's objective or should be their objective in order to make sure that all of our public health and safety needs are met. And when we really look at trees, we recognize that they're inextricably combi combined with public health and public safety. And so I think it's government's responsibility to make sure that on their own land, that there's plenty of trees and that on the parkways, that there's plenty of trees. But I think each one of us has you know, our feet in the soil has our feet in the grass. And so all the air we breathe, we want it to be fresh and clean. And it can't be fresh and clean if each one of us doesn't take a part in ensuring that the health of our planet uh, is maintained. And how do, I don't know, can you make the connection for me? How do trees, you know, you look out your window, you probably will see them, uh, you know, just from your own home, but how do trees contribute to the health of individuals and of a city? Um, what what are the benefits, health benefits, I guess, of having um, proper tree coverage in, in your neighborhood and in your city? So trees provide more than $400 million in crucial ecosystem benefits annually to residents in the seven county Chicago region, including removal of pollution, they sequester carbon, and they provide a lot of energy savings by cooling the ground and surrounding air during hot days. They also keep areas more temperate during very cold times. So we have to think about trees as infrastructure. They're green infrastructure whose value naturally, luckily, increases over time. 
And there's a really strong relationship between higher levels of tree canopy and lower levels of crime, regardless of the socioeconomic factors. So if you look at the data, for example, like in New Haven, Connecticut, they did a study where they found that a 10% increase in the tree canopy was associated with a 14% decrease in property crimes and a 15% decrease in violent crime. And then in and around Baltimore, they found a 10% increase in tree canopy was associated with a 12% decrease in crime. The University of Washington actually published a report recently um, in Chicago. They didn't rely on resident surveys. Um, Rather, they sent a science team to collect two years of police data on property and violent crimes in public housing communities in inner city Chicago. Several residential public housing buildings were assessed. Um, They looked at buildings that were architecturally similar. And the greener a building's surroundings were, the fewer total crimes occurred. So they compared these different buildings with different levels of vegetation. And those with high levels of vegetation recorded 52% fewer total crimes, Um, 48% fewer property crimes, and 56% fewer violent crimes. Um, with those buildings with um, uh, lower levels of of vegetation. So even modest amounts of greenery were associated with a lower crime rate. I know that um, these studies were also uh, mirrored with the same results in Portland, Oregon, and Tallahassee, Florida. So you have an entire country from East Coast to West Coast that all have these same realized benefits of lower crime with the number of higher trees. And I can say that crime is the number one issue on people's minds today, very closely a second, followed by property taxes, Um, but it affects all of us. And I think that we need to take a dynamic approach to addressing it. And if we follow that data, it points to increasing the tree canopy. And how do you educate people about that? Or, you know, someone who might be who, who might not want to plant a tree, say they, they've had multiple trees fall on their home or, or places where they've lived or they've had a tree fall on their car and they've decided, you know, I, I don't want the trouble of, of, of planting a new tree. In 10 years, 20 years, it's just going to, you know, potentially cause, cause harm to my property. How do you, um, yeah, how do you educate people about the, you know, what you're describing as pretty huge benefits of having trees um, surrounding you? That's a great question. And I think it starts with the educator. I think you need an educator who's a good listener. So I think you can't just go out there and talk about how much you love trees and how great trees are. I think you have to listen to each person's story and why they have a problem with trees. When I was walking door to door, campaigning, There was a number of people that said that the trees in front of their homes had root systems that came in and uh, disintegrated their foundation or wrapped around pipes. So that person needs a different answer than a person who thinks that there's just enough trees already. Each person has a separate story and you need to you need to go back to that person, um, I think, with a holistic answer about why it's not just about the foundation or how to prevent those issues and then balance it out with, I recognize that there was an issue here. Maybe we just need to find a different species that's in front of your house, but look at this, you know, air quality will be um, better for you. You know, as you age, 
your lungs in Chicago have taken in so much particulate and so much carbon that we need to counterbalance that with healthier air now. I mean, I think particularly for low-income communities that when we talk about equity and we talk about air quality, those things are so inextricably combined that it's something we need to talk about. You know, the uptick in higher temperatures, I think less tree canopies around people's houses mean as much as a 10% uptick in temperatures, higher energy costs for homes and businesses in the summer. And coincidentally, there's many fewer trees in low-income communities. So those are the people that are paying higher energy costs who can least afford it. So I guess in some, it's really, there's a different message for every person who has a negative or issue with planting a tree. Um, and I guess what are what are kind of long-term and short-term uh, steps or goals you have um, as an elected official to, um, you know, increase tree cover, not just in, in your area, but the, the city and, and the county and, you know, the entire Chicagoland area. I don't want to say that you're the only one who can tackle that <laughs> solution, but um, but yeah, what, what do you see as some long-term and short-term uh, steps you can take? Well, Erin, I think this podcast is, you know, a great opportunity for people to learn a little bit more about trees in our region. I think we all recognize that air pollution and water pollution and land pollution don't obey city or county boundary lines and that we need those trees to help abate those threats to our human health. And I don't mean to be dramatic about it, but climate change, I think scientists realize threaten our very existence. So I think we need to make the environment a high priority. The county, I know I, um, have advocated for us to work independently to increase the tree canopy on property that we own and control. I think we need to work with neighboring municipalities to increase their tree canopy by reducing pricing of trees, by buying in bulk through tree consortiums. Um, I mentioned before working with the city of Chicago on reducing red tape that not-for-profits or others might have to go through to plant trees. Right now, that Pulling a permit and paying a fee is expensive, and the and the city could definitely streamline that process. And I think we need to find a way to legislate certain tree planting targets and parkways and transportation corridors, um, and regulate or legislate green rooftops to lock up carbon in the wood. Um, in 2019, I started the Cook County Environmental Commission, where one of our three priorities is increasing the tree canopy in Cook County. Um, and I did that because the more I looked around after I was first elected to these large organizations, they had done a significant amount of work in policy. And those groups were having a hard time pushing that policy into action. And so I developed this commission to take the policy that had already been developed and put it into action. So, you know, part of that includes planting mature trees rather than saplings to increase their chances of survival. And I think part of all of our jobs as legislators in city council and at the county board and beyond is to take methodical steps to plant trees over the next five years to increase the tree canopy and make sure that they're more mature trees so that they last longer. Fun question. Do you have a do you have a favorite tree? Um, or a favorite 
I don't know, plant if not a favorite tree? Um, it's like saying, do you have a favorite child? I really think uh, weeping willows are beautiful. I love a, a nice birch tree. <laughs> um, but the mighty oak has made its way into many beautiful poems, so I, I would feel remiss in not including that too. I want to say thank you to Malcolm Whiteside and Bridget Degnan for talking with me about trees. And if you're wondering, my favorite tree, the only one I can identify by its very distinctive fan-like leaves is the ginkgo. I've taken note of where a few are located along Milwaukee Avenue and Logan Square, and I enjoy wandering the University of Chicago campus and seeing its ginkgo trees. Plus, the species is over 200 million years old. Now that's a solid trait. This episode of The Cloudcast was produced by me, Erin Hegarty, and edited by Joel Ebert. We'll have another episode of The Cloudcast ready for your ears in two weeks. Until then, have a tremendous day. Sorry, I had to.